Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Silence is golden, but my eyes still see. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show the movie review podcast for the filmstage.com as always i'm your host brian j rowan and with me today to talk about a quiet place we have michael snydell hello we have bill graham Woo. and a special guest with us today we have candace frederick hello hello how are you today i'm well how are you doing great uh, why don't you uh, tell the people at home a little bit about yourself? Ah, that's always a broad question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, Who are you? I <laughs> know, I know. Um, so I am a film and TV critic, um, and I write for a number of sites, um, including Vice and um, Flash Films. And Harper's Bazaar and a slew of others. I'm freelance, so I'm kind of all over the place. But I write about um, film and TV. Um, and I often do it through um, a more politicized lens, um, really exploring things like feminism or racism or so, uh, the sociological aspect or sociopolitical aspect of a particular uh, work of art. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Well, yeah, we are here today to talk about A Quiet Place, a new film from director John Krasinski, um, probably most famously of The Office. And um, we are going to get into that right after we get through with our housekeeping. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show. Uh, Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Email us, podcast at thefilmstage.com. And, of course, give to our Patreon, patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow, to help us produce even more great content for your ears. And um, Mubi, we are brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema, where every day they introduce a new film that you then have 30 days to watch. So you have a constantly rotating selection of 30 films to check out. Um, They've got their Philippe Gorel series going on, as well as their Harmony Corinne series. So enjoy those. they also have Passing Summer by Angela Shell- <laughs> Shanalek. And um, this is the first in a retrospective series that they are doing on that director. So if you would like a free 30-day trial of Mubi, all you have to do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage and you will get your free 30-day trial so that you can check out and understand the wonder that is Mubi. And that might be a world record for getting through all the stuff at the fore of the episode before we finally get to the review. So, congratulations to me. Um, anyone have anything before we jump on in? All right. No, I don't think so. Good, good news. So, we can get into our review of A Quiet Place, uh, this weekend's new release. Um, a horror film about a family that is hiding out in upstate New York, um, trying to keep quiet from creatures that hunt via sound. This movie stars John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, and Millicent Simmons, and was directed by Krasinski. 
with a screenplay by Brian Woods, Scott Beck, and John Krasinski. Um, I'm going to play a trailer, uh, but since this movie's all about <laughs> staying quiet, just, you know, this, this it's going to be one of those things. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that ominous music and the sound of a heartbeat. Are you <laughs> Just, sure that wasn't Inception? <laughs> you know, it's it's impossible to say. That also could have been the score for uh, Sicario. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I love it whenever we do a foreign film or I guess a film like this where there's minimal dialogue and I still for some reason play the trailer because like, what's the point? But anyway, um, <laughs> let's talk about this film. It's uh, the second highest... Uh, opening weekend for a film this year um right behind well not right behind substantially (laughs) behind black panther um but needless to say this has been a hit a 17 million dollar movie that's going to bring in around 50 million dollars who's ready for a quiet place universe (laughs) (laughs) oh man i found an article that was asking if this was a stealth sequel to cloverfield so that train is already Uh, you do realize that this was initially like potentially conceptualized as a cloverfield like actual thing like that's that's not too far off the mark actually wait so um, this was written so. initially as being part of the cloverfield no. universe they they had a spec script and then they were shopping it around and as they were developing it someone decided hey maybe this could be a cloverfield thing and then they decided to go away from that after oh, a little while that's probably for so. the best um yeah, so anyway the general thoughts on that movie are like a pendulum that swings every two years. <laughs> like it came out and everyone was like, that was really cool, but it made me sick. And then slowly everyone hated it. And then everyone started to love it. I feel like we're probably six months from everyone hating it again. Oh, I didn't know anybody hated it. Everyone talks about it. Like it's the second coming and I don't understand why. <laughs> no, I had this, I like, maybe it's just me. Like, maybe I keep making different friends, but I feel like every now and then, I just like realized that suddenly the general like thought towards Cloverfield, the first Cloverfield, we talked <laughs> enough about it when Paradox came out, and I never want to think about it again. So, Candace, um, why don't you tell us your kind of nutshell, all around thoughts on A Quiet Place? Um, I really liked it. So that's that's in a nutshell. Um, I really, mm-hmm. I really liked it. I think um, it was kind of for me unexpected. Um, one because I always I'm always just very wary of real life couples starring in movies together, and especially someone who has had his hand in a lot of different aspects of the movie. I'm always like concerned that once it once it actually comes to the to the big screen and I actually get eyeballs on it, it's actually going to look crazy. But it actually looked very good. It's very well done, both script wise as well as. Um, the acting, I think Millicent is very, very good. I actually, I think that she is um, kind of an unsero in the movie, even though I, I, I don't think that what she does is actually um, the answer. But I think she, her character in a way that we just don't really get to see deaf characters portrayed. Um, and so that's, I was really... Um, taken by that and emily blunt is just always really good 
I actually really like the little boy. I can't think of his name right now. The 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 young actor who plays the son. I just I just love kids who actually act like kids in movies. <laughs> <laughs> and he was terrified, and I felt his terror. I mean, a lot of kids, you know, act like you know heroic. Like ear monsters, <laughs> which also I, they're they're also the craziest looking monsters I've ever seen. Just because, um, I don't know they they just, they just look really funny. <laughs> like I, I don't know, I can't really describe it, but I'm kind of jumping all over the place. But those are my initial thoughts when I think of the boys. And the uh, the boy who plays Marcus is Noah Jupe. Yes. That's okay. great. All right. Michael Snydell. Oh, great. Okay. I, I, I'm going to be the, the party pooper on, on this one. And I, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, I think it's, uh, I think it's weirdly my issue comes down to John Krasinski behind the camera and in front of it. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with Jim. I mean, I watched, I struggled or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure I, that that's a ringing endorsement. Like, <laughs> no. oh yeah, I watched that show too. I struggled though. It's like, uh, I don't think, I think you're not coming from it as a fan. I'm admiring <laughs> okay. my own gallantry for having, oh, I'm just saying <laughs> season seven and season eight are, you know, I, they are not something I would recommend to anyone. <laughs> it's more of an obligation than yes. this is uh, but okay, uh, getting <laughs> off subject here, okay. I, I think that I'm still trying to un- unpack why this didn't work for me. But I guess the best way I can put this is that every time I was with Krasinski, I felt like this was silly. And then it would cut to Emily Blunt. And I was like, oh, man, Emily Blunt's an amazing actress. <laughs> and like, I shouldn't need that reminder because she continually affirms that with nearly every role she's in these days. Like, you know, even making like... A, a role as you know an alcoholic and something like a girl with a uh, girl on the train like something really memorable in a, in a pretty bad movie so like she's i i think that krasinski here just <laughs> especially in this uh bushy woodsman beard uh he just is not expressive and i just constantly felt like he had what he was one note and he wasn't bringing me into any of these things. And as far as his direction, uh, I, I think it's sleek and well, I think he does really well with the set pieces uh, in particular two, one right at the end and one kind of in the middle. Uh, but as far as like the fundamentals, I just kind of felt like, um, this movie takes a really long time to, to get going. Um, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward yeah. to talking about mm-hmm. it. There's things I like about this movie, but uh, it just like I I just found way more than I like that I kept thinking. All right. Well, looking forward to telling Michael how <laughs> wrong he is. Uh, Bill Gray, <laughs> why don't you give us your thoughts? 
Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, this I'll, I'll mention it probably later on, but uh, this reminds me a lot of kind of Tremors and Pitch Black, where we have these highly specific things. We have this set of rules that we have to kind of figure out and follow. And from that point on, it's just basically setting up all the chess pieces and then having fun with them. And this film does a very good job of, of having fun within the realm that it kind of builds. Um, I have some issues with kind of the lack of personality of the filmmaking overall as well and some of the kind of world building stuff but that's really nitpicky stuff that is more this film is 95 minutes if you know anything about me you know that's a winning endorsement already Um, and it it does a really good job of focusing in to explore its kind of setting and everything around that and the creature design is actually pretty good. I'm a huge uh, enemy, I guess, of uh, CGI creatures, and these are actually pulled off fairly well. And so, yeah, I, uh, I've i got some issues here and there, but for the most film. And uh, fortunately, I did not have a shitty audience. So, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like if any movie was ever at risk of being destroyed purely by the audience, it would be this one. I, I feel like, sorry, I just want to say one endorsement for how well it's doing. I, I went uh, this morning at 1030 to a screening and or sorry, to just a regular theater. And it was completely packed by the time the movie started, which it's yeah. been a while. It's been a while since that's happened. Man, at that hour, too. Go to church anymore. Um, <laughs> so as for my thoughts, uh, yeah, I dug the hell out of this movie. I um. I feel like we've talked about it before. I am I I have an I have an issue with horror films. Um Uh-oh. In general, I I am very easily scared <laughs> and I uh I get nervous going into a horror film and my anxiety about being scared makes me like prematurely scared and then I just have a horrible time. Um <laughs> the best parts. <laughs> yeah, it's uh my life is difficult when it comes to watching <laughs> horror movies. Um I think it's to this film's credit that the the scares and the tension kind of moved me beyond that and so i was really invested in these characters and i was getting scared at the right parts and nervous at the right parts and i never felt like the movie was being like particularly oh what's the word um coy no I, like manipulative manipulative is good i was going to say disingenuous too mm. like you know no one is walking through an empty factory and then like a cat jumps out of nowhere there's like one or two of those jump scares but in general the fact that everyone has to stay so quiet means that the jump scares are going to be at a minimum because you know no one's gonna like jump up behind someone and be like hey bill and then you know that's just like somehow <laughs> subbing in for any kind of real tension um as a father this movie also kind of worked on me in a very visceral, crazy kind of way, which I'm sure we can get into later. Um, I found the monsters themselves to be very effective. I thought that um, the way that we kind of just get glances of them and then later on get some more like full pictures of them was a really good kind of pacing for the reveal of them. And um, yeah, I thought that the world building and the way that the characters acted was great. It's always good when you're watching a movie and you try to kind of get ahead of it in terms of like okay if this was the problem what would i do and then you realize that the characters have met what you would do and then in some cases exceeded it 
um, because then you really feel you feel actual tension rather than like that thing that happens sometimes where you'll get annoyed at a character and just wish that they would die. So that okay. didn't happen in this movie. I actually felt real affection for the characters and I wanted them to live very badly, which is exactly what you want in a movie like this. Um, as for what you guys were saying about the direction, feeling impersonal, I did not feel that. I'm sure we can get into it. But overall, uh, yeah, I, I loved this movie. It was great. So Michael Snydell, <laughs> as oh, the no. kind of, look, you're the dissenter. Oh, I so, should just lie. I should lie every time. You know that this happens whenever someone is the odd man out. We have to use them as the you do a podcast to, to do the conversation. Why? <laughs> oh, poor Michael. I'm curious uh, about what you were saying about like the direction, feeling impersonal, and your problem with John Krasinski. Because I actually found him in this movie to be like a, a very um, a very interesting screen presence. I think that like That's he, good. his stoicism and his kind of like, uh, I don't, oh man, this movie is one of those things where it's going to be hard to know what's a spoiler or not. I think that his sort of disaffection actually like makes the movie in certain cases. I think that he is someone who's far less expressive when he's silent than, um, especially, like in direct relation to Emily Blunt. I, I felt like I was constantly seeing a far more dynamic range of emotions from her. So like I, when you have those, you know, those two, uh, those two characters and, and you're continually kind of ping ponging back and forth, I was constantly feeling, or I was consistently feeling when I was with John Krasinski that the, direction and the tone just was not grabbing me as much for whatever reason. And, and I, I, I think that's a lot, his performance. And I guess I just don't, I didn't find, uh, his relationship with, uh, Millicent Simmons or Noah Jupe's character, um, particularly in case, like I, I found, uh, to pull a contradiction, I, I found the way that I, I think this movie has good detail in terms of how these people's lives have totally changed since the incident. I, I, I don't know how we want to describe it. It's uh, not really well described in the movie. I will say that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we, we start off and it's like, you know, day 89. It's like, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. curious about that because I wonder. It, this is a this is a dumb thing that's completely unimportant. But I wonder, like, what counts as like day one or day zero? Like, is it the first time one of the creatures showed up? Did it take them a while to start attacking? I don't know. That was that was really unclear. I mean, I think the the entire foundation to how the action that that preceded the film that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was unclear i mean i think there's just there, there seemed to be this this assumption that we would just be okay with this just being in a post-apocalyptic society and we just have to deal with that no other questions yeah and um, I'm, I'm kind of fine with that because mm-hmm. my my superpower is being able to see how a shitty sequel would go <laughs> and um i guarantee you that like if it's this makes enough money it would be a prequel <laughs> and it would yeah. be called like a quiet place day zero 
and it would be about like an army unit in oh no new orleans or something <laughs> like trying to fight the oh, creatures okay. so annihilation <laughs> yeah sort of <laughs> i'm curious um candace uh, when i was talking about the fact that i kind of liked john krasinski you sounded like you agreed with me yeah you know i um again and in, in the minority i am literally in maybe the beginning part of season two of the of the office so i really don't know john krasinski from anywhere <laughs> so this is like my big you know introduction to him um i i mean i knew him but i've never seen anything that he really was in and i'm just starting to watch the office so i never really had any preconceived no- notions about him emily blunt i i had very high expectations for her and they were all met and so i um I wasn't really concerned about her. Him, I was just like, one, I didn't know he was a director, I didn't know he was a writer, um, and he's going to star in the movie that he made for himself, basically. <laughs> um, and so, and so, it was all very intriguing to to get such a such an influx of John Krasinski, um, and that that's really all I was I was really kind of interpreting when you, when you were talking because I didn't really I thought that his lack of a Section or um, his just, just I don't know if it's just like a. Um, I felt very like he was um, trying to be that strong figure, um, but also extremely exasperated by one the um, the implants that he was making for. I don't know. This is this might be spoiler, but spoiler alert, spoiler alert implants he was making for his daughter. Yeah, I don't um, think that's a spoiler. Yeah, his daughter, yeah. I don't know if we've, I mean, I'm assuming, I almost always assume that when people are listening to this, they've seen the movie, but his daughter in this film is deaf. Mm-hmm. Which, and is also thought, played by a deaf actress as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Candace has mentioned, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think that there's a lot that he is, I think also internalizing um, that he, because he is trying to come across a certain way for his family. Um, and I think he is kind of in this survival mode. Like we, there's no time for affection when our lives are constantly in danger simply by breathing. And so I got that from him, you know what I mean? So I wasn't really looking for an alternative type of, um, type of interpretation of that character. So that, that I didn't have an issue with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of how I read it and viewed it. And I think the movie pays off that reading is the fact that this is a man who is basically obsessively devoting his life to keeping his family safe to the detriment of like the emotional well-being of most of them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a balance that you as a parent have to strike. Uh, You know, like I don't want to have to yell at my daughter, but if she's reaching for a hot pan... I can't really stop myself and um you know she's only two so anytime I raise my voice she starts crying and it's like well obviously I feel bad about this but uh, it's a lot better than having to rush you to the emergency room so <laughs> it, I, you know. I just want to I, sorry I'm still trying to articulate exactly what I'm trying to say because I feel like I'm doing a poor job still what else but, is new? <laughs> <laughs> but what I what I guess it is is that um I, I felt a self-seriousness in Krasinski that I wasn't feeling with Blunt 
that I can get a little bit more into in spoilers, but I think in terms of what Blunt does, <laughs> she has some some scenes that require her to do some <laughs> some, some uh, react to some interesting situations in a way that I felt like Krasinski had one mode that was this as you're talking about this uh, this paternalism that you all saw saw layers in. Um, but that paternalism I saw as one shade and it just didn't do anything for me. But I, I, I think it's that self-seriousness and that that I think goes along with some of my direction problems, too, which just have to do with the, the tone. I, I wish this movie would just recognize that some of it is a little more ridiculous than uh, – than serious. I, I guess I'd have to get into spoilers with at least yeah. one or two I, of those I, moments, but that's all I want to say at this moment about that. Okay. Well, I think I think this film, if you don't hold that tone of seriousness, this film completely falls apart because unlike Tremors and unlike Pitch Black, there isn't a lot of fun to be had with this film necessarily. It's more in kind of the setup and the execution of of kind of the world and everything like that. And this film has to be so self-serious because very early on we see the stakes and we see them very plainly. And, you know, this is a PG-13 film film and i didn't know that going in uh just typically i just assume that most uh film or horror films especially big budget now are or whatever the budget this is uh only seven i just assume that they're yeah well i mean we've gotten inundated with all these blumhouse films like this so um I just assumed that they're rated R. And so as I was walking in, the theater attendant was like, enjoy your movie. It's PG 13, by the way. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know why he, he mentioned that like late, but I was just like, cool. Thanks. All right, here we go. Just a guy <laughs> like, outside right. your theater going like, enjoy your PG 13 film. <laughs> yeah, you got shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, like, bit. like this film, this film really does like fall apart if it is not self-serious in the way that can come off really pretentious and really kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, I guess a high, a high horse, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, if you do not want this film to be as self-serious as it is, this film is not for you. Like it's, it's just not going to work because the whole premise is so serious that, well, you the, know, the stakes are like, life Whoa. and death. I mean, exactly. And, well, uh, but I, I mean, just the same, like the stakes in Tremors and the stakes in Pitch Black are also life and death, but they have room to kind of play around with the tone and stuff like that. This film's temperature is like just base and well, that's it. I like think it doesn't go too much. Bill, in that case is like Tremors is sort of like out and out of comedy. Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah. <laughs> like it like that. That's and, and the way that it, it does that is by having it be a bunch of like outcasts in this shit kicker town in like Nevada. And so you, they don't, you're not threatening 
like a family that loves each other. Um, well, I'm, I'm so curious, like I'm curious as well because like both of those films, you're able to have like conversations and stuff like that, and I think taking language out of this film has a has a big effect like more than maybe most people would you know like you're like oh the, they have to be quiet 99% of the time of the movie and most people are like okay like that sounds fine and then 5 minutes into it you're like are they are they really not going to talk to each other it's like no they're they're literally not going to talk to each other they they're going to use sign right. language yeah, yeah. so it it's, ups um, the tension of the it, it ups the tension of the movie. I think. I mean, even and I I I consider both Tremors and especially Pitch Black super lowbrow. I uh, yeah. <laughs> because I I I really despise Pitch Black, and I think that's a silly movie. What? Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Just, I mean, the podcast has changed in, now. In, in effort, just to just to just to repeat what other people were saying, we're not going to spend time on that. But yes, I just wanted to say. <laughs> Oh. No, now all I want to talk about is pitch black. <laughs> oh man! But in Tremors, actually, I do, uh, I do care about that movie. I mean, I, 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 it's fine. Just the first one. I wouldn't really watch the other <laughs> yeah. sequels. Other um, seven of them. <laughs> right, right. And but I do think that there is such a gravitas to, um, to uh, a quiet place that is not present in this pitch black particularly we're talking about a family we're talking about um a family that seems like they've already been under some other type of duress that is not very not specified but it looks like this is compounding other things as has happened and then we we also don't really have a full understanding of what specifically what what exactly happened to get them into this position societally and so there's there's questions that I had, but I also was just so invested in these characters and they just seemed like they were just in this hyper dangerous, hyper, just like ultra protective um, point all the time that it really just it hooked me from the beginning. And I think also not really understanding in the beginning of the movie what these things were, why can't you speak? Why can't you make noise? Because a lot of that is, as you said, unfolds slowly throughout the film. And then we actually get the reveal and just like, what the hell are these things? And so then, um, and which I think is also a really smart move. It really just keeps me invested because while I'm still learning about this family, then this reveal happens, which really compounds to me the tension. Yeah, in fact, um, I kind of want to just jump into spoilers so we can talk more about this. Um, yeah, this this film's really hard to talk around because because I mean, right from the get go, the stakes are kind of set up, and so I think I think we have to jump into spoilers because that those those moments early on really help to kind of define and shape yeah. this film, and I don't want to spoil that, so. So, There's um, arguably a spoiler like less than five minutes in. Yeah, it's, <laughs> exactly. I, that's yeah. kind of how I'm feeling about it. It's hard to even talk about what we've talked about so far without addressing that. I just want to say this movie, I was just thinking about the Cloverfield Paradox. There was a point during that podcast where I said um, that what you have to do in a certain kind of film, if you really want to like go balls to the wall in the last like 40 minutes, you have to do like a good amount of 
setting up character first. And this movie does that. It's 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 the kind of film that really takes its time to invest you in the characters. And then the last 30 to 40 minutes is just like shoving you through the ringer. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's kind of my favorite kind of movie. Um, and this one pulls it off extremely well. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to give it in 90 that. minutes. Yeah, I wanted to give it that formal and structural kudos before we moved on. Um, but yes, so let's talk spoilers. Uh, if you haven't seen A Quiet Place, uh, navigate away from this podcast and come back when you have. Uh, Mute you know, us. I've vamped oh. enough and I think that we're safe. So uh, who here thought that this movie was going to kill the kid in the first five minutes? Which kid? The, the, um, the, the, uh, the kid with the, uh, the space shuttle. The initial shuttle. kid that dies. Yeah. <laughs> I was... Yes. Uh, no, I, I, I also just don't think that movies especially horror movies generally kill kids so that was very shocking for me wait not anymore these days that was that was a big big conversation with uh it and how like brutally that film kills its first kid and you're i'm I'm not gonna name who who that kid is but you know if if you know anything about it you probably have be able to figure that out but yeah that movie kills a kid very early on in a very brutal fashion and unfortunately it never kind of follows through with that kind of uh horrificness and this film definitely continues that kind of tone and and pacing so yeah this this film at the risk of taking it back to sorry just taking it back to pg-13 i think that's even weirder for a kid to die (laughs) 13 movie like I, I there's definitely a history of kids being killed in horror movies and you know in some cases it's like a taboo thing but especially in a pg-13 movie it's a little more unusual especially because like the r rating is kind of uh, capricious and arbitrary sometimes and a lot of time it'll be like rated r for like intense terror and and horror and you're just like well what does that even mean and i feel like watching a child get decimated by a pitch black alien crab creature right off the bat. <laughs> but you Jeez. don't see any blood. No, you don't. Yeah. No. Uh, you definitely see the look on the family's face as their son slash brother is destroyed in front of them. I mean, I was, the funny thing is that that's something that's in the trailer. And yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. So like, that's going to be the first thing that happens that like sets up the stakes and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I just, so like up until the point that the, kid is literally tackled i was like well he's gonna live and then yeah and then he doesn't and i was like oh this movie really isn't fucking around is it Mm -hmm. and so that sets up for me all of the terror moving forward because at that point i'm like well this movie really doesn't care about murdering children and it seems and like deeply unsettling. There's two other it. children. Yeah. yeah. And then it also helps with, as we were talking about with John Krasinski and his kind of like shut down, uh, clammed up, everything to protect my PTSD. Family. Yeah. <laughs> you Is know he... what I thought? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, okay. go ahead. I was going to say just um, regarding that scene. So my mind went, my mind did not accept the fact that he died. Um, and so right after that, I remember, if I recall correctly, right after that, we see Emily Blunt's character pregnant. And so I thought that they went back in time with her being pregnant with that kid. Oh. And, and I don't know why I thought that, but I wasn't 
I, I wasn't expecting him to die. And I also thought that that would also give us some type of um, context to how they got here to this position. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they, they have, they have like a title card that flashes on the screen and it says because the first thing we see is day 89. And then the next thing we see is day 459 or something like that. And then we see uh, Emily Blunt's character pregnant and like all of that kind of unfolds. So yeah, it's. I mean, you blink, you miss it. It's one of those kind of things. Also, like, just if your brain is refusing to accept that this movie would kill a child. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then it's it's kind of crazy because it really does set up. Like, I never felt safe during this movie in a way that I I I'm usually able to pretty easily like delineate who is expendable in a film. And you can kind of put them in tears. And this movie, just like the whole freaking time, like even, you know, we're in spoilers now, even when they had the baby, I was just like, okay, well now that baby's going to die. Like, I just don't. And, and I wouldn't feel that way in basically any other horror movie. Um, Mm. And in this one, I was like, like the second that she wakes up in that flooded basement area, and the the creature is mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my God, they've already killed the baby like that's how that's how f- just messed up I was during the course of this movie <laughs> and um yeah i don't I don't feel like I was ever okay, which makes the literal like ending and final shot of this movie that much more i think effective and kind of awesome it's It's weird that a movie that has had me basically hugging myself and curled up in my seat for 90 minutes should end in a way that makes me like want to jump out of my chair and pump my fist. <laughs> and I think just I in terms of acting and directing, like that's a huge, that's a huge win. Uh, Candace, what were you going to say? Yeah. I mean, I, I think also I wasn't expecting the dad to die. Um, I, I, one, we didn't really see his death and also so I was just thinking, okay, he's just going to pop out because I'm so conditioned to seeing that, that, you know, they, you know, there's some kind of danger happens and, you know, it looks as though he is sacrificing himself for his kids, but then he like pops up and he has like a bunch of scratches on himself and he somehow <laughs> yeah. has managed to kill this ear, ear monster, which nobody has managed to do before. But, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's where my head went. And then, you know, to your point, it, this this movie is not really um, so it's trying to go against it's it's going against the curve, and it's not trying to fulfill. Even and I watch a lot of horror movies. This isn't even trying to fulfill. You know, just 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 typical situations that you constantly see in horror it's, it's, it's going against the grain in a lot of different ways and so that's another thing that i appreciated about it yeah i like the fact that like at the end of the day it really is like a movie about a family and the focus never really leaves that like their relationships and their their unit is what's really important and i feel like in a lot of movies there'd be a point where they're like I don't know. They like figure out how to destroy them. And then they're like, okay, we have to like go to San Francisco and do some nonsense. But like this, this whole movie is really just about a family that wants to live and survive together. And at the same time, it, it really like buckles down and accepts that like 
even though that they're living, like poor uh, Millicent Simmons's character, uh, the daughter, is like really struggling with like her part in her brother's death and the fact that like her father is, you know, kind of cool towards her. And she she takes his trying to make her, um, what 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 are we calling them? Hearing aids, the devices. Oh. Like she she takes it really poorly, until she sees like the raw amount of like time and effort that he really put into it to like try to help her and, and save her. And I think that um it's it's kind of it's kind of nice that in the middle of all of this madness and craziness, it really takes the psychological and emotional like well-being of these children seriously and makes that just as much a part of the film as anything else. Well, we get a long sequence where the dad is trying to teach the young boy how to be brave and how to like not freak out and, and utilize the surroundings around him. Um, you know, there's that sequence with the with the river where he's he's like, this freaks me out because this is very loud and noisy. Why aren't these creatures like prowling this area constantly? And, you know, we're going to go fucking fish. It's like, this seems dumb. <laughs> like, why are we over here? You know, and it's it's one of those situations where it's very easy for us to show a kid that isn't brave in that situation just because he's he's a kid but that kid is also grown up in such a environment where he just saw his young brother get devoured by one of these creatures for doing something very inane like playing with a toy and so now he's basically set up to be like look i don't really want to be the caretaker for this family like why can't we just stay safe and that's a good way to like starve yourself to death you know it's Mm -hmm. like yeah we can we can forage in this little area but at some point that's going to run out and the river is not foraged because you know it's these creatures don't eat the things in the river and so you know it's basically bountiful now you know insects and and i guess bass or whatever the hell is in that river is probably plentiful you know yeah there's there's a so you know this is a rare opportunity for me to really bust out the father card as a father (laughs) um when you're raising a child you do have to like really balance like the level of fear or caution you want to instill in them with also like prodding them to expand their horizons and act with a little bit of courage and like go and explore. So like this is obviously like a one on the scale between, you know, one and being attacked by space monsters. Um, My daughter very quickly discovered the stairs in our house and it's terrifying when someone who can barely walk decides they want to try to go up the stairs. But at the same time, I can't just like cordon them off and tell her never to go by the stairs because sooner or later she's going to have to learn to walk up the stairs. So you kind of have to figure out like, okay, well, how many can she go up? How close should I be? You know, do I want to, I don't want to make it to the point where she's too afraid to ever do it without me. But I also don't want to make her so bold that she decides that she can run up them even though they're taller than her. And 
it's it's just an interesting thing to see writ in this movie as like you have to shut up you can never talk you have to constantly be on guard but also we have to go to the river and catch some fish like (laughs) it's it seems like a complete diametric opposition and yet that's just the truth of their lives and like this movie had me with that in so many ways before we even get to what I guess could be considered like the climactic action, which mm-hmm. this has yeah. never happened in a movie before. And it's, it's really interesting. And I think it speaks a lot about the tension of this movie and how perfectly it sets up everything. Basically at the point where Emily Blunt steps on the nail and drops the picture frame, a woman mm-hmm. in front of me just burst into tears. Oh my god. Because I think that she realized at that point like that shit was about to start going down <laughs> and I just don't think she was prepared for it. And like obviously I didn't have that reaction, but it it speaks to the power of this movie and how well it's set up everything that I could really empathize with her and understand why she would react in that way. She reacted a little late, though, because as soon as Emily Blunt's character goes up that stairwell and then has that fucking nail pointing straight up into the air, 90 degrees, I was like, I was like, oh, no, this is (laughs) like like this. It's so obviously that that is going to be like, yeah, that's that's the little spot where you can step and it doesn't make noise. Oh, by the way, there's a nail there. Like, oh, starts, yeah. yeah. No one's definitely going to stay, like stomp on that thing. But I difference between knowing it's going to happen and then it actually happening. Sure, but like I would have, I would have lost my shit if I was her at that moment. I would have just been like, oh, well, fuck this movie. You know, I would have just gotten up and just been like, you know, you know, I know, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> you so know, I, I, I was not. I think once they killed the boy in the beginning, I realized that I was watching a movie that I had no idea what was going to happen next. And so that, I think it just, I think it just kind of just like, you know, just set up that it was not going to, you know, like I was saying before, comply with any of my expectations or just in it for the ride. Um, the nail thing, I've seen that before, but I think what I, ha- I haven't seen, I haven't seen a pregnant woman. fall on and i'm thinking that she's gonna fall and lose the baby i'm all like the fact that we find out like almost immediately after an already devastating moment happens that she's actually pregnant i thought i was like okay that's a lot to be adding to this (laughs) (laughs) like 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 because i i just feel like if i was in that situation maybe i probably wouldn't be having children (laughs) but you know yeah and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a that's a question that I want to kind of pose to Brian and and anybody else that oh, wants to chime in <laughs> because I just I can't imagine why you would ever bring a child and and I mentioned this on our Slack channel a little bit but like children already are unruly you know before the age of like 7 or 8 before they can really like understand stakes and stuff like that and i just can't imagine having a toddler who like isn't malicious but doesn't know any better and is just going to make a ton of noise and you know they they play it out where we obviously see this kind of bunker that they've set up with a you know with a uh, a mattress on top 
but just the same, my whole like idea here is like, really, that's like, is it worth that much extra effort to have another child? Like, I, I get it. They got two children, but I'm not sure why you need a third. Well, because I, first of all, that's a really weird way to put it. Why do you need uh, a third? Well, but I mean, if very so, people have needs, Bill. <laughs> I mean, yeah, here's the thing. For, we, we never really get the background of this pregnancy. We don't know if they were like, you know, we figured out how to stay quiet and everything. Like, why don't we just try to have a baby? Like, we, we, we've kind of, like, mitigated most of the risks in our lives. So why don't we just throw another one on top? Or if they were just like, you know, well, every condom on Earth Oops. is expired. And, yeah. you know, you can't get a prescription for birth control. But let's just, like, go at it anyway. Because why not? Or if they legitimately said to themselves, like, we've lost our That would son. have been an interesting... It's Deleted scene. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I want to say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it could be where they've said to themselves, like, we've lost our son. Like, you know, sure. Maybe like at this point, we should think about like having a child because it, it might be a, a situation where it's like, you know, how do we how do we show our kids that like life is still possible? Because like otherwise, if you're at the point well, where you <laughs> think that you can't have children, at the, like I'm not saying like in general you specifically if you can't have children you should kill yourselves but if if the world has gone to hell so badly that the concept of procreation isn't really like a feasible endeavor then there's no future beyond you and I just feel like at a certain point you have to say to yourself like do we do do we want to survive or do we want to try to set up a situation wherein we can thrive and like have a future as like a species Hmm. So like my, I my, get it and I it's you know when my wife and I found out we were pregnant it was actually funny we were renting a place and we found out we were pregnant and it was like oh shit we have to like get our own house and all this other stuff and we moved so fast and so swiftly and smartly that within a month we had a house and we'd already set up all this other stuff and then we were just like okay well now we just have seven months to wait around so yeah. like you have enough time Especially if you don't have to go to a job because you're worried that you're going to get murdered by a alien, to to really try to like set up something to help you out. And I think that all of their all of their little mechanisms and decisions and choices were really intelligent. Well, let me let me posit this. Okay, um, I don't necessarily disagree with having a child in this particular circumstance, but at the same time, I would like for my own children who are present on this earth right now to also be fairly self sufficient, so they can help out and a not be militant, militant who's throwing a fit, and then b the little boy who is afraid of fucking everything. So like, I I don't know. Like that scenario doesn't seem like I would want them to be a little bit older and a little bit more mature, so they could possibly help out in that scenario versus just me having to wrangle them as well you know Millicent <laughs> is trying to be self-sufficient she's just yeah. also deaf yeah. like there's a whole thing about how she wants to go with uh Krasinski's I'm, I'm sorry they never say the names of characters that's why I keep doing actors <laughs> yeah I was I was legitimately shocked to see character names on IMDb yeah. and I just haven't yeah. been using them yeah. because how would you ever know them they 
Right. They don't talk. Yeah. Yeah. But Millicent, sure. no, she wants to be, she wants to help, but Krasinski yes. doesn't want her to until she's able to, to hear. And because... Marcus is still very, or I'm sorry, Noah Jupe is still very young as well. Like yeah. I think, Bill, I don't know. I think that I, I kind of see what you're seeing saying here, but I think that point is kind of addressed in the movie. Yeah. yeah. I think that it's, you know, but honestly, like if, if the, if the world ended tomorrow, and I was, you know, scrounging out a survival plan at some point, like if, if that came up, the concept of having a child, it's like, well, you know, yeah, I guess so. Like <laughs> if you're not, if like, what well, again, it, it, in the current society, like go ahead, don't have children. It, it doesn't really matter. But like, I feel like at the moment in a post-apocalypse where like no one feels safe to have a child, it just feels like, well, that's it like then it's over like what's the point of living if you're not going to try to like perpetuate in some way yeah, also, not... like just where's she going to get an abortion like right right i read that in a number of ways too i mean one i i, I mean because I, I i think about the walking dead i don't know if you, any of you guys watch it but uh-huh. um one of the i can't think of her name right now but um one of the characters on that show is pregnant and has been for what seems like a forever um, and they're going, they're under a ton of duress. And I thought of that similarly with this movie as well. When one, I don't know how, um, accessible contraception is. Um, we saw them at a store one time. I don't know how up to date any of those projects, those products are, <laughs> you, <Sure>. know, <laughs> you know, like it's just like, I was just thinking about just survival, just like food and, 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 you know, medication and things like that. I was thinking that all of that was expired. <laughs> so, sure. that, so that's, that, that's where my mind went. And so there was, there was that. And then I also was thinking um, that this family who we had come to know seemed more than anything to want to maintain a sense of normalcy when they are in, they are surrounded by anything, but, but I think also just because their kids are so young, um, one is deaf. They all just witness a, a brutal murder of their own family member in the midst of all of this. And they're trying to maintain this normalcy. And, you know, part of that, they might have already were going to have a kid prior to all of, all of this. So maybe they were just still trying to keep things on par with how they, they would have uh gone on with their lives so i thought of that as well as another option um and then the third option just kind of escaped my mind well but, I, um, um, I was gonna say there's a practical concern too that she sort of brings up which is like i you know i need you to go and like learn how to fish so you can help take care of me when like i'm old and gray and have no teeth and it's like you know yeah it, the bigger your family is the more chances you have for survival the worse things get you know, it's and I the, did, I did also think that maybe that the child was a replacement child. That's where my mind went. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To bring it back to the movie too, like in relation to this whole idea of you know perpetuating the society, I think that uh, one thing that I, I I do like about this movie is that I think uh, Brian, you got into it a little bit when you're talking about. Uh, how how this depicts fatherhood, uh, but not just fatherhood, but the fact that, especially in terms of post-apocalyptic stories, we haven't seen a lot of uh, of 
films especially that focus on like uh, day-to-day practicalities of surviving in a world mm-hmm. like this. You know, you, you know, you think of The Road for some reason is the first one that's coming to my mind. But, you know, that's a very young child who he's trying to shelter. But like I, and that they're just trying to like scrounge around. But it's I, I think what's interesting about this film is and, and partly what makes, uh, you know, it it taking place, you know, 400, 500 days into whatever after this calamity happened mm-hmm. is that like a routine has already been set. And like to see that cinematically and see how these characters have developed is a, a smart and like, again, kind of an idea that we don't see that often. Yeah, um, or, um, or at least in this exact context, I guess I should say. No, it's it's really interesting. Like, it, it, if it weren't for all of the stuff that goes wrong at like just the wrong moment, um, like this would be a fairly like rote, just like hanging out with the family movie. Like, obviously, <laughs> like obviously, there's there's some added tension, but you know, in general, they seem to be doing pretty okay, and they have their little soundproof room set up. And it works, we find out. So I feel like, you know, it would almost be in- more interesting to me to see the movie where none of this goes wrong and they're just <laughs> able to go through it like normal. Um, you just want the commune movie. <laughs> I would not well, want you that just, movie. You, you, want, you want the other family that, that lit the fires just be like, man, the, the Jefferson's really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder about that. Like, I, I, This movie takes place technically like over the course of two days. And I think it would be interesting to see like if they have some sort of like barter system set up with the other people who are lighting signal fires and stuff. Like, but at the same time, I kind of just like that the world exists as it is. Like, don't, don't, if, if God forbid anyone with any actual power is listening to this, don't think that this is me asking for a sequel that fleshes <laughs> out the world. I don't want that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just an interesting thought, like experiment. Like if, the, if, if she hadn't stepped on that nail, you know, would things have been basically okay? I don't know. Um, I also I I I also just feel like what would have happened? Are we just seeing like a meditation on the lives of people who are quiet? Because that that would be it at that point. There would be no tension. There would be no real monsters. There won't be anything that really happens to them. And for me, I, I feel like what makes this movie is that actually this crumbles for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I love the I I really love the family narrative. Really, some of them to get fucked up. <laughs> so, <laughs> where so, like, where was that. she headed to go downstairs? I I just I just suddenly realized like the fact that we don't see this this kind of bunker system and everything like that it, it now starts to kind of bug me because I wish she would have gone there first. That's where where, she where is she to going go to turn on the lights? Wasn't it to turn on the red lights? Yeah. Should, should, like why uh why didn't they just put one in the bunker like <laughs> because like, the bunker was just know. like a carved out root yeah, cellar pretty small yeah there didn't seem to be like a power junction box down there they lit it with candles 
but that's another, under the yeah. basement, just right? The, the way, yeah, the way my brain okay. works. I was just like, you can't have candles next to a baby. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I and uh, uh, next to a baby, and and fucking like uh, oxygen as well, right? Like that's that's mm. fucking O uh, two in there. Yeah. I don't know if it's pure. I don't know if you though. I'm this. sure that they used a mix of some kind because, like, that would sure that can't be good for a baby. But I thought that that was all kind of ingenious. I I really want to. Was I the only person who reacted with like, just kind of like unmitigated like happy victory at the end when like the little girl turns the volume up on the receiver, and then Emily Blunt just gives that like steely eyed stare and cocks the shotgun. Yes. That that's a major moment. I mean, that's what I was saying earlier that she we finally get to see her really play this more heroic, more centralized role in the family that she had been trying to do the entire movie. And so we finally see that even though, you know, this might not work and it also doesn't really work, but it, it, it's, it's a moment that gives her a sense of self that was really something that was missing, that she was really grappling with for the whole movie. And to see that happen at that moment in the movie and then to see her mom really kind of put the punctuation on that <laughs> with, the, with the shotgun, it was, it was a really, really good moment. There was a um, there was a group of women coming out of the the screening that I went to, and one of my favorite things is like when a movie ends to just listen to the conversations that other people are having, and these women oh. were just elated. They were like, "She is going to fuck them up," and they were just like walking to the car, like wishing that they could have seen Emily Blunt just mowing these creatures down with a shotgun. And I was like, you know, you people are like my spiritual guide right now you're you're saying everything i'm feeling and i love it and um i just i it's it's very it's very rare i feel like for a a horror movie usually it ends on like a note of reprieve but this one is the first one that i feel like i can remember that really ends on like a note of like utter like maybe not triumph but just like empowerment what about ken cloverfield yeah, yeah, but okay, yeah, I guess I guess Ten Cloverfield does, but like it's it's her like turning and going to go fight, and I feel like there's like just like a couple of degrees of remove from that, and like maybe it's just the way that Emily Blunt looks with a shotgun. I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, it's, it's all like, of like this. It, this film like definitely does a good good amount of job or good job of basically like, setting up those stakes and then showing us like hey this is their way to to overcome them mm-hmm. this and we don't really get that from Tim Cloverfield Lane no no spoilers there but like she's just going off to go fight like she doesn't have any special tools or any special abilities that she's kind of right. learned along the way like these she's people just have fucking survive yeah. yeah. Like she's just a survivor and she's like, I'm going to go to Houston. And this time around, it's like, "Mm, no, I got, I got an actual plan and maybe I can actually take these other two creatures out. I feel like you're underestimating Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but I see what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I love Tim Cloverfield Lane a lot. I mean, I think that what this movie does that I haven't really seen almost at all in horror, that this is not just a woman 
at this victorious moment. This is a woman and her deaf child, and she's using a, a device that is for deaf people to combat these ear monsters. There's so much to say about that moment um, that we, we just we, we, we don't ever really see that. And we have a deaf hero, a deaf child hero yeah. um, in a movie about silence, <laughs> you know, um, and I'm, I'm, that's really interesting. I so will often say I stigmatized. Sorry. Mm. So often I think like deaf characters are, are stigmatized. I, I think that's a great point. What you were saying, mm. Bill, you were going to say, something. I, I, yeah, I, uh, I really appreciated the, the fact that like, I mean, obviously it seems kind of obvious, but oftentimes we don't, we don't get, that perspective and we get Millicent's perspective a lot in this film. And I appreciated those kind of point of view changes to basically show her in this situation where it's like, yeah, she, she understands a lot of the stakes, but she can't react to a lot of the things that are happening around her. You know, there's, there's a scene in the, uh, what is it? It's some kind of, uh, grain area or whatever. Um, and so like, Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, no. I, I'm talking about the one where she's in the field and oh. like she's looking one direction right. and a creature is like kind of not knowing that she's there either. And they're kind of, you know, like bumping, almost bumping into each other. And it's it's one of those scenarios where it's just like, yeah, her situational awareness is severely limited in this like situation because she can only do so much without the sense of you know, sound. Yeah. I mean, it's set up really well in that first scene on the bridge because everyone turns around and looks at horror at this little boy playing with the uh, space shuttle. And she's just standing there like, what, what's going on? Because she, she can't hear it's when I, when I, when I came home from this movie and explained the plot to my wife, I said, you know, Oh, there's monsters they can hear. And so you have to be quiet and they've got this family and you know, the daughter's deaf and she's like, Oh, well that helps. And it's like, you know, it's, it, yeah, you'd think so. But then you realize that like, she can never realize when she's doing the thing that's going to get her killed. And my, and my wife was like, Oh yeah. Oh, that's terrible. I was like, yeah, it's a little bit of both because on the one hand you have a character who is better, better suited to the kind of like socio-emotional aspects of staying quiet and obviously mm-hmm. they all know ASL because of her and all of these other things but at the same time yeah it puts her at like a greater a greater sense of danger it's it's a very interesting kind of move for the movie to take that she is mm-hmm. at once probably the best suited for this but also like the most at danger and mm-hmm. i think that it explains yeah. that in really interesting ways um, i mean yeah. probably wrap up soon um bill you did you have a final thing that you wanted to say um i mean i guess uh you know my nitpicks i haven't really really touched on uh one or two of them but um just the whole idea that sound is is both their weakness and their draw is uh seems a little obvious and seems a little like something that should have been explored a lot sooner than day 454 but at the same time i appreciated like everything that that the world that they kind of built here actually functions and and i can't fault it for what it actually does well, um in my I shitty prequel idea Bill, just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll no. be fine in in a quiet place day zero 
you know, the ending scene <laughs> mm-hmm. is going to be a nerdy scientist and a very butch Navy SEAL figuring out how to fight them with sound. Right, you're going to sue this studio in a year and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I'm I'm sorry, I was going to say, I'm specifically thinking, there was a sequel to Monsters, right? Like, Gareth Edwards, like, super elegiac, like, low-key monster film Mm -hmm. that was like, but what if they were in Iraq? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, (laughs) Candace, you were going to say something? No, sorry, now I'm in Iraq, and I'm just like, (laughs) Um, I, I was just going to say that, I mean, something that we haven't really talked about in the spoiler section is, um, that part of the reason why her, why she thinks that her relationship with her father is strained, um, is because she did exacerbate the death of her brother. Yes. Um, she gave him, she gave him the, the toy shuttle. Yeah. The point of view did not give him the batteries. He did that to his own self. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, he figured that out on his own. He's like, that's okay. I got the, I get the, leave the rest up to me. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's also just a interesting point of how she is, you know, has such a really interesting placement in the, um, the danger in it. Um, you know, it's 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 funny because just before that sequence she also saves his ass beforehand you know when when he's trying to get the fucking thing off the shelf and it nearly drops and she superman slides into it and like catches it so she's both the savior and the one that basically allowed him to kill himself you know, and it's just like, damn, that's a that's a that's a lot of fucking things to do to one character in the span of three minutes. Oh, by the way, also, this is the opening. <laughs> just like, well, it's thing, you know, you can do the same thing like right a million times. But the one time you screw up is the time that everyone's going to remember, especially if it results in your brother getting murdered. Yep. Yep. Um, oh, man, I, I thought I had a point to make but now i can't remember what it was it's oh okay so new favorite thing of mine in movies is whenever a normal object gets treated like a gun or a bomb so like for instance in get out when um daniel kaluuya's character gets out of the basement and he sees the teacup and they dive for it like it's a gun on a table and then in this movie when everyone sees the boy with the space shuttle and they like freeze and john krasinski has to go up to him like he's like a hostage negotiator in a bank <laughs> and he's just like give me, give me the give me the gun just give me the gun well especially since at that point it's got the fucking uh batteries inside of it and he doesn't know or he does you know so he's just like that is a fucking bomb like it yeah. is like you you may look at it and think oh that's just a dumb toy and he's like no that thing probably makes a, a shit ton of noise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Michael, any final thoughts? It, it, no, I, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to end us on a down note? No, this it, this just didn't work for me, but I'm glad you all liked it so much. Seriously. <laughs> well, Michael Snydell, always here for the lower view. Um, always, always positive. <laughs> always. Maybe next week when we talk about... What are we talking about next week? Doesn't matter. I, I won't be here. <laughs> Oh, so you that's might be right. talking about uh, The Rock. We're going to be talking about... <laughs> oh, oh, no. you mean Rampage? Is Rampage next week? We're not talking no, about No, we're not doing fucking Rampage. We'll figure um, something out. We're doing something oh. else. No, we, we already figured it out. We just can't remember. 
Yes, exactly. Don't worry. We, we are not running around with our chickens with our heads chopped off. But The Rock and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Like, that's that's a good oh, combo. Is he in that, too? Oh. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Did not know that. <laughs> Plus a giant CGI gorilla. I mean, what's not to love? Anyway, sure. <laughs> so that's all for today. Uh, thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, if you haven't seen A Quiet Place, I don't know why you're listening right now. But uh, go out. It's in theaters now. <laughs> and it's pretty great, no matter what Michael says. Um, <laughs> let me remind everyone that we are brought to you by Movie, the online streaming cinema uh, where every day they release a new film, you have 30 days to watch, and uh, they've got some interesting, to say the least, stuff coming up. So go and check it out for a three free for a free 30 day trial. Go to mubi.com/filmstage. They've got uh, smart TV apps, apps for your phone, your laptop. You can download, watch on the go. Check it out. Mubi.com slash filmstage. Also, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash the filmstage show and give us your money. And um, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That is all for today. So let's tell everyone who's listening now where they can find us on the internet. Candace Frederick, let's start with you. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Real Talker, R-E-E-L-T-A-L-K-E-R. Or I my work is also on Contently. That's just my first name, CandaceFrederick.Contently.com. All right, Bill Graham. You can find me selling my dog whistles and feedback machines on Twitter at CableBFG. <laughs> you can also find me on the Slack Patreon channel. All right. Michael Snydell. You can find me uh, blasting Neil Young and slow dancing on Twitter at, at Snydell. <laughs> and uh, that is I... an image that I don't need in my head. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Brian. Especially since you didn't say you were slow dancing with anyone in particular. <laughs> no, just alone. Um, and I'm on uh, the the last episode of Filmography, which is a new Consequence of Sound podcast. I talked about uh, a few Wes Anderson. Um, so you can listen oh, to me cool. if you want to hear me talk about more movies who wouldn't did you like any of them <laughs> <laughs> loaded all <right>. questions <laughs> <laughs> alright uh, you can find me on my personal site dearfilm.net where I actually wrote a little essay about uh, the terror of parenthood and how A Quiet Place kind of amplifies it up to 11 you can also find my writing and more podcasts on filmstage.com. My Twitter is at Brian J. Rowan. And uh, that's it. That's all I'm going to give you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tune in next week. We're probably talking about Isle of Dogs? Question mark? Yes, that's it. There we go. I knew I'd remember it. <laughs> anyway, so we'll be talking about Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. Uh, it'll be a grand old time uh, in between now and then. Uh, you can find us at all the places we mentioned online. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, and tune in next time. She broke my heart, but I love her just the same. Now hush, hush. I thought I heard her call on my name. Now hush, hush. I need her loving and I'm not to blame. I got her.